Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Ben Chapman. I'm one of the pastors here at Luminous Church, and I'm glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, we are starting a new series today. We were going to have a guest speaker with us who was going to um, do our marriage conference this weekend, and they were unable to come because his father passed away. And so we decided to dive in early in this series with little preparation. So here it is. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Job. You can um, open it, maybe your um, paper Bible, maybe use an iPhone app, whatever you use. Would you turn to the book of Job this morning? I'll say this much, this is the first time we've ever gone through a book of the Bible here at Luminous. So over the next four weeks, we will be talking about Job and what that means, who he was, what that looks like for us. I, I think uh, this is probably one of the hardest books to go through for your first book of the Bible. So whatever I say, just we're, we're going to pray that it just leaves us, that we would not remember um, the things that I say that are, are not of God and the things that are that, that we would be able to apply those to our life. Job is a fascinating book. Uh, Job, Job is challenged oftentimes with, with maybe being a fable or a parable. Just like Jesus used parables, he used these fictional stories um, to illustrate ideas. And, and we see that, and sometimes people think that Job was the same, didn't they? They, they thought that Moses was using this to, to let the Israelites, it's, it's okay. Like, we may not have, you know, more than manna and quail, but life's going to be good because here's a story of Job. Job, right? So it's a, a fictional story, a fable of, of suffering and what that looks like and how we cope with that and how we deal with that. But the truth is, is, is scripture would say otherwise, that Job was actually a person that existed. We read this in Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 11. Job is actually talked in the context, talked about in the context with Daniel and Noah. So if Daniel and Noah are real characters, then, then so, is, so is Job. We also read in James chapter 5, uh, verse 11, it says this, The brother of Jesus, behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So we have these two references to this man named Job, and therefore he did exist. Now, when was this book written? No one knows. No one knows when this book was written. They, they don't know if Moses wrote this book. Many believe they, that he did. But, but they do know that this is a book that was in the canon of Scripture, in your Bible, that, they, that it is spoken by God. And so we take it as truth today. We take it as truth. And why is this important? Because as you look at the Bible, you look at Scripture, you look at what Jesus has said, what God has written, you want to know that, that this is of God. And there are some truths in here that we could take to apply to our life. How many of you know that's true? How many of you came for some truth this morning? I did as well. We're going to read this book in just a moment. It's found in the middle of your Bible, uh, Job. And it's, it's this obscure book. I, I remember in 2003, I was in the car. I was driving from Denton, Texas to Oklahoma City. And I was reading the Bible all the way through for one of my first times. And in 2003, I happened to be in this book that I knew as Job. Because it doesn't even look like Job. 
This looks like job. That's how I knew it. And so, so I was at job, and, and I think what's amazing, and this, you'll find this to be true, that the Holy Spirit will bring you to a place in Scripture that is appropriate for the season and time that you're in. And so that's what was happening with me is we just um, had the funeral for my grandmother. I was not very familiar with death. I hadn't seen death much growing up. And this was one of the first times that I saw death. And as we were driving to Oklahoma City for the burial, this is where I was in my reading as I was reading through Scripture for the first time. And I was reading Job, and as I was reading Job, I understood that, that this was very applicable for me. That this man went through a lot, that he, he was blessed, he was great, he was amazing as we'll see, but he also went through pain and suffering and not many answers, but yet God was still on the throne. If you want answers for suffering today, Job doesn't have those. Doesn't give you the reason why. It doesn't give you the reason why. We ask those questions all the time in apologetics, in the church, in our connect groups. Why did this happen? Why, God? We may ask those questions, but Job does not give an apologetic of why, but it shows us how. And that's appropriate. How to live. How to live and the why is just as important as the why itself. Job chapter 1, we're going to read this. I'm going to read my tiny print Bible today, so... Lord, help me in age 36 in my failing eyes. It'll be on the screen as well. Job chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 female donkeys and very many servants so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house, each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day, verse 6, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. 
And the Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 16, while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Let's pray. Father, we pray that with such a heavy text this morning, God, that you would illuminate the things that we need for our life and situation. God, I thank you that you speak to life and situations. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you are doing that right now through this book. Father, open our mind, open our eyes, open our ears, that we would see Jesus clearly. We're doing an expository teaching this morning. An expository teaching. We're, going, we're doing a survey over the next four weeks. In three weeks, Pastor Jarrett Gallardo will come up and he will teach the word. And he is far greater teacher than me. I just want to inspire you. I just want to encourage you. I just want to speak some life into you. So he's going to do amazing. But I really hope that today is a day where you can, there's a lot of takeaway. I, I love Job. Job is a, a man who lived upright and blameless. Upright and blameless. He, he was a righteous man. He was, he was the kind of man that I want to be. Any men want to be like Job today. You want to be righteous. You want to be blameless. You want to be set apart. How was he righteous and blameless? Well, there's two key facts of why he was righteous and blameless. He feared God and he turned away from evil. If you want to be righteous and blameless, you, you have to have a fear of God and you have to turn away from evil. Uh, a fear of God is often misunderstood, isn't it, in the church? Um, it's, not, it's not where you, oh, your dad comes home and you go hiding under bed because you're afraid, right? Anybody else done that a time or two? Right? It's not that. Actually, fear of God, when you read it in Scripture, is an awe or a reverence. There's an awe or a reverence of God that I respect God. There's a reverence of, of knowing how mighty he is and yet how gentle he is with me. It's just like a, a great dad who stands up here and, and he brings correction, maybe rebuke, training for righteousness, but he also brings grace and love and redemption and reconciliation. How many of you want to be a dad like that? Like, I want to be a dad like that. I want to be a, a dad just like Job. Job is blessed. He's blessed. He's wealthy. He's so wealthy, everybody knows him in, in the East. This is a wealthy man. This is, this is a man who has a lot, a lot of Ferraris. He has a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of possessions, a lot of land. He, he's super blessed. He has seven boys. 
Seven men, seven, this, this number of, of, of just completion. That, that he was complete and satisfied with these boys. He had three girls, which is just the number of unity that we see in the Bible, that, that there's completion and there's unity, that he was set in his children, and he didn't want any more, you know? He didn't want any more. Trust me, he probably didn't. Maybe he did. I don't know. You know, I, I've often wanted a dad like Job, you know, a dad who's going to fight for you, love you, uh, pray with you. He's going to be the pastor in the house. Job was a pastor in the house. Think about this. That every time that his, his kids decided to go celebrate birthday parties and, and there was wine and alcohol and they could have got a little crazy, you know, with alcohol gets a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> He wasn't going to take any caution. He, he, was, he was actually, I mean, he wasn't, gonna, he wasn't gonna take any liberty to let whatever happens, happens. No, he, he consecrated them. He said, boy, come here. Come here. Uh, uh, daughter, come here. We're gonna set you apart. You are God's. That's what consecration means, set apart for God. You are God's and God's alone. I wanna speak that over you and I'm gonna consecrate that. And, and then he, what does he do? He makes a sacrifice. He, he actually kills an animal and, and spills blood to cover any sin that they may or may not have done. How many of you know he, this dad is taking all caution? That's what dads do. Dads who love their children well, they, they fight for their children, they believe for their children, they're gonna take all caution for their children. They're gonna make sure that their children are doing well. This is what kind of man Job was. And, and here in Job chapter 1, in verse 5, we have the first gospel narrative. The first gospel narrative. Think about this. There's consecration that's happening. There's a priest that's consecrating his, his kids. Us too, we have received a consecration. We have been washed with baptism. We've been washed in the water. We've been consecrated. We've been set apart for God's mission. And what else? There has been a great sacrifice, an atonement for you and me. There's been a substitution. I'm guilty. I partied. I sinned. I fell short of the glory of God. I, I, I messed up. I, I did all these things. And yet Jesus was a substitute for you, God's wrath so that his wrath would not be put out on you, but it would be put out on Jesus. It was a substitute. And that substitutionary atonement, meaning it was this, it was this blood being spilt, that it was an atonement that, that was given to you and me. We see the first gospel narrative. We see the gospel in Job 1.5, and Job's living out that gospel before Jesus walks on earth in time. We ask that question, don't we? How do, how do they even get saved in the Old Testament? Jesus wasn't there. Did everybody go to hell? No. Job's living out the gospel narrative in hopes that Jesus is coming and he will come and that this substitutionary atonement for his kids is going to pay off. That me having faith in God is going to pay off through the fulfillment of Christ. So Christ's payment was not just from, from 0 AD on to now. No, it was before the creation of the world that his atonement covered people this is amazing I, I love this part and then and then the the narrative changes job would often be described as a plague 
a play that we should act out because that would be graphic and amazing. Just kidding. Like, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a play, and we have a scene change, and we move from earth to heaven. And here in this heaven moment, we, we see Satan there, and Satan is bored. Satan's bored. He just doesn't know what to do. In Job 1.7, the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. Anybody that remind you of your teenagers at home? What are you doing? I don't know. You've looked in the fridge 10 times. I don't know. I'm just bored. There's nothing to do, right? Idle hands will make you poor, right? And nothing good happens after midnight. Boredom will lead oftentimes to maybe sinful action. Or at least that's what we see with Satan because he had no purpose. So he's just bored and there he is. He's, he's, he sneaks into a meeting with God and the angels. He sneaks into a meeting. He, he, he was cast from, from heaven to earth. And here we find him sneaking into the meeting to cause some ruckus. Have you ever found that to be true in your life, that, that life's going well, and then all of a sudden drama blows up, all of a sudden things happen, you're like, what is going on? It's like, it's like Satan just snuck into the room causing some ruckus. And this is what he does. I want to tell you this. The devil was prowling. He was moving. And, and the question we have oftentimes is, uh, uh, that happens in the Old Testament, but Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he came, and he conquered the devil, and he conquered the grave. But yet, the devil still has some kind of authority here on earth. Did you know that? Like, there's still some permission that the devil has. I'm going to tell you this. The devil can't do anything without permission. Right. He can't do anything without permission. And yet, here he is having permission. How do we know this? How do we know that the Satan is moving here after the resurrection of Christ? That Satan's prowling around? Because we read Peter. The apostle Peter, one of the founders of the church, says this in 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little, while the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you everybody say establish 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 you to him be the dominion forever and ever amen we have paul peter instructing the church that there's suffering happening there's pain happening there's temptation happening. How many of you know that's true? There's temptation and pain happening all over the place. We, we have sex. We have money. We have drugs. We have greed. We have, we have sneakery. We have all these things. Sneakery, not even a word. Just made it up for you. <laughs> Hashtag that. Sneakery. We have, we have all this stuff happening, right? And, and we find that to, that to be true, don't we? 
I find myself tempted in every way, in all these ways. And that's what's happening with Job. He's being, he's being tempted with these things. He's being tempted by the devil who's prowling around. And that you are suffering and other people are suffering. Why is there suffering? I don't know. But God has given it permission. Isn't that strange? I, I wish up here as a, as a teacher and pastor, I could just explain that. But I do know that in whatever suffering you're dealing with, it's a test. It's a test of who you are. Think about Paul. Paul had a thorn in his side. Paul saw the deaf hear, the blind see, the dead wake up. He saw miraculous things, and yet there's this thorn, this affliction, this suffering in his side, and it's not going away, although he pleaded with God multiple times, God, take it away. And he said, no, I put that in there for your good. God, you, you did that for me? <laughs> because that doesn't seem like God... It's not lining up. I mean, you're good, you're faithful, you're true, you're loving. I mean, what parent makes their kids suffer? Benson was suffering, not using the iPad all week. <laughs> it's my four-year-old boy. Suffering, it, it, it's there to test us. It's there to try us. There's things there that we see, and we, we see it here in Job, and and that, the, that God gave him permission. He, he said it's permissible to do so. And then we move to the third part where everything is ripped away from Job. Everything is ripped away from Job. Satan had permission. Satan comes and it's ripped away. I can only imagine. I'll even say this. I can't imagine what that was like can't imagine. I've suffered a lot. I've experienced pain. I've experienced loss. I've experienced failure. I've experienced so much. But I can't imagine what this was like for Job. Can't imagine what we just read. For all that to happen in a day. No wonder it feels like a fable. No wonder it feels fictional. Because, because it seems so unlike God to let that happen. It seems so unfair. Have you ever said that? Life's unfair. It's just not fair. I, I'm, I'm just mad right now. And what's happening is Job's being tested. Think about this. All your faith, everyone's faith in here is going to be tested. And there's going to be two things that come from that. One of two things. One, you're going to have a faith that's being tested, and your faith gets stronger and more intimate, and you lean into Jesus because of his grace for you that found you and reconciled you, that you didn't deserve it, but he gave it anyway, and he called you son and daughter, and you're going to lean into that. Or two, your faith's going to be tested, and you're going to say, see, religion didn't work. 
I thought if I was a good person, everything would line up. I thought if I was a good person, everything would work out. I thought if I was a good person, I would be extremely blessed. I thought if I was a good person, no harm would come from me. I kept coming to church thinking nothing bad was going to happen, and it keeps happening to me. I'm done with it. And for the latter part, and for those who are like that, I'm going to tell you this. You've been trying to manipulate God, and you've been trying to manipulate yourself. It's tough, isn't it? I want to preach last week. You see, if there's manipulation, it's called religion. And a lot of us have religion all around the world. But there's one true religion. There's one true faith. There's a faith that we didn't deserve, that we didn't earn. But God gave it anyway through his son, Jesus. Ephesians says this, by grace you have been saved, not by works, so that no man may boast. And if you're working for religion and you're working for God, you're in manipulation. It's fascinating, the spirit of witchcraft is manipulation. If you want to know what witchcraft is, it's manipulating anything, any situation, any person. And so it's fascinating how we can serve God, love God, true religion, true faith. And then on this other side, there's this witchcraft that's happening and empty religion, empty faith, trying to get our way to God when God got his way to you. It's important to know this, and in this moment, you can only imagine what happened. You, you had four attacks against Job. You first have people who attack him, the Sabians. And they fell upon him out of nowhere. They fell upon him. Now, I mean, such the enemy, right? When it falls upon you out of the blue, out of nowhere, I didn't even see that coming. I didn't even think that was going to happen. Such the enemy. Accusations. Accusations with health. Accusations with job loss. Accusations with so many things. And just come sneaking on you just like that. This is what's happening. And, and then you have another attack. It's, a, it's fire from heaven, a lightning bolt. And I'm telling you, not all of us are going to walk around with a lightning rod on our head, are we? Like if lightning decides to strike you, it's going to strike you. So you have this act of other men coming against Job, and then you have this act of nature or God from the heavens coming towards Job. And, and then you have this other act of winds or this other act of the Chaldeans coming, I, I love, uh, I find this very fascinating. In, in chapter 1, verse, um, verse 17, the Chaldeans found, formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck them down. I think it's fascinating that the, the enemy, the devil, he schemes, he strategizes. Think about that strategy to break up in three groups to come against what's yours. The enemy is crafty. He, he, he can scheme, he can, he can strategize, he can do these things. And then we have the fourth, we have this natural disaster. This natural disaster, and I'll say this, that natural disasters and storms and all these things were, were not God's hand directly. They were not. They were Satan using these things which God gave permission for. And we see a natural disaster, a tornado come and wipe out Job's kids. There's seven boys and his three girls. I think about this, it says that he continually, continually made sacrifice for his kids. He continually, continually made atonement for them. He continually, continually, daily, early in the morning consecrated them. 
And in this moment, it was robbed from him. You see, his kids were at a party that night, and it was robbed in a moment. It was, they were gone. He didn't even have an opportunity. You see, you see, where I, where I have a hard time being Job is I want to be like, God, I didn't even have an opportunity. I didn't even have a, a chance to, to, to consecrate and pray and believe and straighten, and they're gone, and what is going on? And Job says this statement, he says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He, he, he ripped his robes, which was the most expensive thing you owned was your garments. And he ripped them, and I imagine he ripped them in frustration and anger and all those things. And it reminds me, be angry and sin not, because we just read, so Job didn't sin. So he was angry, he was frustrated. Ah! And he shaves his head in shame. I'm not even worthy, I'm not even worthy. But I worship Jesus, I worship God. He alone is worthy, he alone is true, he alone knows the best. We came today with a lot of questions, a lot of feelings. Chapter one, there's so much there, it's so heavy. And there's no answers, Ben, there's no answers. I don't know, what, are, what am I supposed to do with this pain? What am I supposed to do with this affliction? What am I supposed to do with this suffering? Worship. Worship God. Let faith be true to you. Let, let this walk with God be everything for you. Let, it, let, let you lean into him. Because it says the sufferings of this world are light and momentary. And as painful as they are, as much as my emotions are involved, and as much as I hate this, it's just but a minute. And we're gone. And the place that we go is so much greater than the place we are right now. Because there's a greater Job. You see, you and I will never be Job fully. We're never going to fully be Job, but there is one who is a greater Job. There's one who was born in his life without sin. He was upright and he was righteous. He was fully God and fully man. His name was Jesus. And he lived a life that you and I should have lived, wanted to live, but couldn't live. He lived a life perfect and he was tempted in every way. In Luke chapter 4, we see the temptation of Christ. We see the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. We see these things he was tempted with, and he's tempted and tempted and tempted. But he didn't sin. He didn't give in. He sinned not, and he was perfect. And then he gave his life freely, freely as a substitutionary atonement for you and me. He gave his life, and he didn't deny God, and he didn't sin against God, but he saw you and me, and he said, they're worth it. They're worth it. You see, they've been suffering. They've been hurting, they've been in pain, but I want them to know that I can hurt, I can be in pain too, but I'm going to conquer this momentary affliction for a permanent salvation, for a life that's eternal with God, that'll be forever. Those who are in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come, they're a new creation. God has breathed that into us. He's given us everything we need in this suffering. He's given us everything he, we need in this pain. 
Job Satan told God that there was a hedge of protection around him. I'll never forget my mom every night when we prayed at night, she would say, Jesus, I just pray for a hedge of protection around our house and a hedge of protection around our children and our family. I, I encourage you to put that in your prayer life. That God would put a hedge of protection around you. But if it were ever be violated, God is God and I am not. Would you stand with me as we pray this morning? I want to pray for you. If everyone would please take a posture of prayer by closing your eyes and bowing your head, I would ask that you would receive from God in a moment of reflection, in a moment of contemplating. Has this been empty religion or has it been a faith that's proved true? I've seen God take away suffering. I've seen him move in miraculous ways over people's life. And he can do that for you. But I want you to know that Jesus is on the throne and that he is in control. And this life will be lived for the glory of God, not for the glory of man. If you're in here and you're just going through a present circumstance, present suffering, would you raise your hand? I'd love to pray for you. If that's you, if that's anybody in here, I'm just, I'm having a hard time, Pastor. I'm having a difficult time. Father, I thank you right now for the faith of the righteous availeth much. That those with their hands raised are believing for a supernatural miracle. So, Lord, I just pray that you would do that. I pray, Jesus, that you would take away pain, take away strife. God, I pray you would take away, God, just suffering right now. I pray for healing by you, Holy Spirit, to move right now in power in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for comfort because you're the good dad. You're the good father. You're a greater father than Job, a greater father who can make atonement, a greater father who can encourage, a greater father who can speak life. Would you do that right now in Jesus' name? Amen. Let me place your hand.